This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome to a Thursday edition of the Yanks Go Yard Podcast, the only podcast that gets you Bronx bombed on a weekday afternoon. I'm Adam Weinrib alongside Thomas Carinante, getting more Bronx bombed this week than usual. That is the worst single three-game series I have ever seen the New York Yankees play. It's true. We said rock bottom on Sunday. And I think the Sunday's game was maybe the individual rock bottom, but there's nothing more embarrassing than what they just did. Losing the first game of the series to Shohei Otani, basically, uh, one-on-one. Aaron Boone saying he'd never walk Shohei Otani in that situation ever. Then Aaron Boone walking Shohei Otani all throughout the third game of the series, immediately pivoting, <laughs> proving that he has no ideas and is not thinking for himself and is just confident in his own wrong decision until the very next day when he's like, wait, I was wrong. Let me do the exact opposite. Let me try that out and see if anybody notices. We all noticed. Um, plus, obviously, there is the individual, uh, you know, the holistic view is that was really embarrassing. Aaron Boone has no philosophy. But, of course, on an individual game basis, it was really embarrassing for Michael King to blow the first game with a fastball 97 on the corner when he could have gone into Otani's uh, angry zone up and in where Rodon tried to pitch him or that slider low and in or literally anywhere other than belt high 97 mile an hour fastball right in his swing path. But that's what he did. Yankees had first and second no outs in the ninth, could have taken a lead anyway, didn't because Glaber Torres, the hottest sitter on the team, grabbed into a double play because he is a losing player, a talented player, but a losing player who is the opposite of a flair for the moment. The second game of this series, Domingo Herman gets bombed. The Yankees face a left-hander with a six-plus ERA in his last several starts, get two hits off him in seven and a third innings. In the third game of this series, uh, the Yankees go ahead and get beaten again, Carlos Rodon. After uh, we talked all this about Carlos Rodon as the perfect mentality for this team, I still think he does somewhere deep within him. But uh, three starts deep. That's how long it took for him to lose his cool at some hecklers on the road. Three starts deep. Obviously, are we going to get over it? Sure, we're going to get over it. I'm not going to hold that over his head forever, but pretty, pretty not cool when you're in start three of a really tough year and you invite home fans scorn in on you already. That's your, your next home start is probably not going to go well. Your, the reception might not be so great. And then how do you handle it? So Thomas Carinante is here. Uh, he's always here. Not a special guest, but he's always here. Um, he's got a promo for everybody. And you can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and truly wherever you pull up your podcast. We are going to start this show by just playing some roles. Um, we wanted to be some of these Yankees, try to get inside their heads, figure out what has sent them so far off the deep end. Obviously, we'll talk about the particulars of this series, specifically yesterday's game, because it's the freshest on our mind. But we'd like to be some of these losers, because Thomas and I are winners. So we don't understand what it's like to be a big, old, huge loser heading into the trade deadline where these losers will surely be sellers they're, they're going to pull off a hybrid model for sure but i think they're going to be acquiring guys who are controlled through 2027 and selling guys who are controlled through this year what say you thomas carinante start everything off with a promo yeah before we spice it up with some role play everybody uh thanks for tuning in everybody who's here we got an offer for you from caesar sportsbook you're not going to want to miss this one especially if you're a heavy hitter um or if you just want to get into gambling and you want a risk-free bet because new, new customers who sign up for Caesars get their first bet on Caesars up to $1,250. All you have to do is use our code at signup. Our code is YGYFULL, F-U-L-L. I don't know why it's that. Probably because we're full throttle. We're going full throttle today, YGYFULL. If you sign up with that code, you will not only have your first bet insured, but you will also be directly supporting this podcast that you love. Um, because what's better, watching the Yankees or having fun with us? And I think it's having fun with us right now. So if you haven't signed up for Caesars Sportsbook, please head over there, download the app, or go to CaesarsSportsbook.com, uh, join with our code YGYFULL, and drop that first bet. This offer is only available for new customers who are 21 and older and physically present in legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Check the episode description for full terms of the offer. Um, I watched Monday. Monday pissed me off. I um, watched on Twitter on Tuesday and Wednesday. So that was my life these last few days. Monday is as bad as it gets. And by the way, I recommend that everybody do that. Like, what what do you owe to this team right now? They're figuring it out. They're, they're playing last place teams. Uh, they were, for context sake, just they were, I don't know if we who was a believer in this team two weeks ago. I don't know when your faith was shaken or, or whatever. But at least to their credit, 
they had a huge four-game series with the Orioles around the 4th of July. They took the first one in dramatic fashion, and the second one blew a 3 nothing lead, ran away with it late. That put him 10 games over 500. So when Judge hit the IL or got hurt, they won the Sunday night game in L.A. to push him to 11 games over 500. So smoking the Orioles in those two games to get him to – 10 over, I mean, to, to be only one under during the non-judge period with series with the Rockies coming up, series with the Cubs coming up, series with even after taking two out of three in Oakland and not sweeping, and even after losing that series to the Cardinals, they still got off the mat with some last place teams and some middling teams like the Angels ahead of them. Somehow they hadn't been swept in Anaheim since 2009 in a three-game series. I can't believe that, and maybe it's just my... 90s 2000s fandom brain coming out but they used to get wrecked in Anaheim all the time it was almost like a Fenway series it was just an automatic like you're gonna have a game where you blow a five-run lead you're gonna have a game where they put up 12 on you and you might win the third one and that was just what it was every year and apparently they've been winning the third one at least for the last 14 years somehow they hadn't been swept in Anaheim until well, yesterday. But you knew it was coming as soon as the first game yeah. was botched. Yep. And it was. It was botched. Um, you know, whether you uh, – Michael King. By everybody. Again, everybody. By everybody. By literally everyone. Michael King, Harris Bader with the runner on third and one out in the extra frames. Anthony Volpe with the runner on third and two outs in the extra frames, taking a what was called uh, online a home run derby swing to strike out and yeah. send that to the bottom of the 10th. And it was exactly that. Uh, Anthony Rizzo and DJ LeMay, are both in the bottom four of qualified hitters since Anthony Rizzo hit his last home run, which was two months ago today, May 20th. And Anthony Volpe is ninth. And we got on a podcast pretty recently, and we were like, well, at least the Anthony Volpe thing is solved. And I was really hoping it was. It's not. He's as bad as ever during this recent stretch. Hard contact at the front, no contact at the back. So while everybody's pressing... Some uh, I believe four now because he did he picked up a hit in each of the first two games of this series in between uh, mm. just swinging out of his shoes strikeouts. So I'm glad he picked up two hits in this set, but he's he's as lost as anybody is right now. Um, since Judge's injury, the list of the Yankees with at least 50 plate appearances with a better than league average WRC plus per Chris Kirshner. Uh, that's 100 is the is the average better than average IKF at 120, Glaber <laughs> at 107. Billy McKinney at 102, that's the list. So Glaber, fine. Billy McKinney was great. Hasn't been good since he hurt his foot. And IKF, shout out, uh, free agent at the end of the year. Probably leaving at the end of the year. And maybe, honestly, leaving in about a week and a half, considering he has another $3 million or $2 million-ish dollars on his 2023 salary. Do they want to pay that while they're going down the tubes? I'm not sure that they do. So before we get into the role play, where you and I both get to play Aaron Boone, and I'm not sure yet if you want to be Boone first, then I'll be Boone, and then we'll be Boone talking to each other. Um, that might be fun. I think that's kind of what I'd rather do. I just wanted to set the scene and give another. We did a State of the Union at the end of the first half. Time to do another one because we're two series into the second half, and they're one and five. Yeah, I. Uh, it's, it is it, it is crazy because now you're on Yankees Twitter. Um, you're everywhere in the social media realm, and everyone's talking about selling. And we were talking about selling like a month ago. Um, not seriously, but we said, Hey, there's no Aaron judge. The team is not really discernibly good without him. They are a 500 no. team maybe without him. So this team is YG full. This is, this is a YG full team. This team is Yanks go yarn. That's, that's what they are. Yanks um, go yawn. Yeah. yeah. Yanks go yawn. Um, so yeah, we were, I, I just, you know, I know we're not that famous. Um, maybe one day we will be, maybe one day we won't be. And I'm, I'm be, okay be with the careful. Scenario. Be careful what you say. That's going to show up in a Kay Lombardo review. So just be, be careful what you say there. <laughs> but we've been talking about this for a while because I think we preached patience and then we parsed through all of the issues that we felt were either short-term or long-term. And as time went on, we determined that a lot of this was probably unfixable. And then when Judge went down and they couldn't, they, they were doing nothing but treading water at absolute best. At absolute best, they were treading water. We pitched the hybrid cell, and then we talked about how 2016 actually wasn't successful. So is that a good idea to do that again? Are we going to entrust Brian Cashman with a hybrid cell? Um, but now it should be full-blown cell if you don't, in my opinion, you have to sweep you either have to sweep this series against the Royals or you have to win two out of three with other people in the playoff race losing. 
um, because that if you're not beating one of the worst teams in the AL, if not the are they the worst? The Royals, I think they are. If well, they're they're second worst behind the team that just took two out of three from the, the Red Sox. The and and also the A's just happen to be the only thing propping up the Yankees run differential. It's true. Because if you're counting, they're uh plus eight right now, which is basically where they should be. That sounds like a team that's three games over five hundred. But against the A's, they're plus thirty-four. They're Good. five and one, and they whipped them in most of those wins. So you take the A's out of the equation, the Yankees are at a minus twenty-six run differential, and that's the reason they're in last place in the AL East with the Royals, Rockies, A's. Nats. These are the pirates. pirates. These are the, these are the last place teams in baseball. And uh, do all the mental gymnastics you want to say, well, the Yankees are in the toughest division in baseball. Well, the Yankees aren't really a last place team. They're over five hundred. I don't care. There's nothing I want to hear no. less than that. They're in last place with the last place teams I listed. Those five teams are bad. The Yankees are a last place team. Yeah, we're not Red Sox fans trying to pretend in a, uh, we're in an alternate reality playing in the AL Central and have a shot at a division crown. Um, Every time they win a game, they're like, just time. a reminder of how wow. much more impactful this will be in the AL Central. Well, that's great. Let me phone up Rob Manfred. Hey, Rob, congrats <laughs> on your reelection. See, Red Sox fans are bummed because, see, they built an average team, like a competent <laughs> team, and they're kind of right over that 500 mark. Yeah, I know they lost a set to the A's, and that's pretty unforgivable, but they're still feeling themselves. So uh, if you have it in your good heart to move Boston somewhere closer to, I don't know, Winnetka, Illinois, do you have that in you, Rob? Because if you could get that done, they'd be in the playoff picture. Right now, they're pretty close, but not quite in there. So just please change the playoff rules and divisional alignment a little bit to make sure you get the Red Sox in October. Thanks so much, because that's what they want. We're not going to be doing that. Here. He might be in. He might be into it. Uh, based on what he's done for the sport. Um, well, he keeps adding playoff teams to make sure that the high payroll teams like the Red Sox never miss the playoffs. Like, how far do we have to go? Nine? Like, the Red Sox are never going to finish lower than ninth in the American League. Okay, let's let's do nine. And then let's give them a home game, too, because Fenway Park is America's crown jewel. So, <laughs> so selling is probably the best option because we don't trust the hybrid, whatever. I think at this point, you attack prospects to bad contracts, offer to eat a portion of some contracts because there's no way you're getting out of this mess. Um, and you saw the Yankees are now 81 and 81 over the last, over their last 162 games, dead, even dead 500. Um, because now what, what, what's the one other option you sell every fucking asset you have every prospect and you buy at the deadline. And who would you buy? You would buy Juan Soto or Shohei Otani. Well, guess what? You just breathe life into the entire Angels season by giving them three straight wins. Now the Angels are saying they're not going to make a decision on Otani until maybe 24 hours up until the deadline. So the fact that you just came out of the break, did what you did, it might have screwed you out of the one candidate that you felt you could buy to turn this season around. And even so, I don't know if we would be entirely on board with that just because you're sacrificing so much of the future, which you actually need at this point, because there is no future at this very moment. Um, every 30 plus year old player on this team, except Aaron judge has forgotten how to play baseball and, and Garrett Cole, of course. Um, so yeah, that's gotta be, that's gotta be the way they approach this at this point. We've been talking about it for a while. I don't know what other motivational things we have to say. Uh, there, there is there is nothing else to say. Obviously, Sean Casey getting in the mix here. Is he at fault? No, a hitting coach is not going to make an influence after six games. So anybody thinking that, you know, maybe Dylan Lawson wasn't the problem. He was probably part of the problem. Um, but uh, there's something bigger here that we've been speculating since 2020. There's something wrong in the clubhouse or something wrong from the top down. Um, we're probably never going to be able to pinpoint it. We'll read about it in a book in 20 years. And that's that's how we'll learn about it and then we'll pump the book across the room and realize we wasted four years covering the Yankees yeah I mean Sean Casey will be a scapegoat at the end of the year of again just like Dylan Lawson was and I wonder if Aaron Boone will get that chance uh to, to stick around and see another one of his good friends fired or if he'll be the one finally axed it feels like he's closest on the hottest seat he's ever been on right now and so do you want to be Boone first I got some questions for you then you can turn around and ask me questions I'll also be Aaron Boone but I think I want, hey, Aaron, uh, this is important to me. I want to know, uh, you're pretty close at this point in my estimation. is Once once the locker room is lost, once Anthony Volpe and Anthony Rizzo are laughing on camera during the game uh, where they're down 4 nothing, about to get swept, 
by a 500 Angels team that is creeping up behind them in the standings. Once you've done, uh, you know, your 12th variation of it's right there in front of us, which it is, but you're not going to get it. and You haven't shown any proclivity for going to get it. So why would you start going to get it? It definitely is in front of you. That is true. And you definitely uh, you don't control your own destiny, but you kind of do if you beat up the Blue Jays and Astros, I guess. But you're not going to do that. So, Aaron. What do you have to do over the next two months to avoid getting canned? Because most managers in this instance would get canned. Well, that's a good question. Um, I would do nothing. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. You want to know why I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing? Because I've been doing it for a while now, and it hasn't cost me my job at any point. At any no point, At no point was I on the hot seat. The only time that I've ever been even speculated to be on the hot seat was, what, last week? when the athletic insiders decided to uh, take it upon themselves to surmise that based on Dylan Lawson's firing. Um, so I'm going to keep managing the way I'm going to manage. I am going to sit Tommy Canely down after he destroys a fan <laughs> because I didn't think it was appropriate. Um, I'm going to tell Carlos Rodon, I wish he didn't kiss uh, blow kisses to the fans. Um, and I'm going to tell our boys to keep grinding because that's all we can do. And if we keep winning games and we keep, uh, if we manage to keep winning games and we manage to uh, reach the point where we want to be, then we're going to, at the end of the season, be where we want to be. Well, that actually makes sense to me. You've won me over. I almost feel like you got me motivated, locked in for the second half. Now, I'm I'm Aaron Boone. Do you have any, you any questions for me as well? And you could be Aaron Boone asking me questions if you'd like, or you could just be you. Either way, whatever you want to do. But I'm, I, I got some I got some interesting, I'll, some insight. I'll be Boone asking Boone a question. So, you know, Judgy goes down, and you're yeah. without Judgy. You're without Judgy. Yeah, well, 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 yeah, no, but that's you're, – you're, you're missing some other guys in the locker room, right? Uh, it's a Major League Baseball team. So we're missing Judgy, and we want him back. But you're, you're – when – when you say that you're 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 discounting the other twenty five. Go ahead though. Go ahead. <laughs> so you talk about Rizzy, John Carly, DJ. Those are the guys. All, yep. All these guys. Everybody. Everybody experiencing an unforeseen decline at the same time. No rhyme or reason to it. What do you think's going on? What's happening? What's happening in the locker room? What's happening on the field? You tell me. Well, I I. It's a long season, right? It, you're 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 talking about uh, you're you're talking about a regression, pretty widespread one that we we're not seeing, right? We don't we don't I don't know where you're getting that from, or, or, or if it's from watching the games from your perspective, or, or or what have you. But I'm I'm in the dugout, right? And and where I am, I see guys getting good at bats who are this close. See how close this is? This is as close as two hands can get. Right. I, I wish I could bring them even closer together, but I can't. So if I was to do that, I'd be clapping. So I, I, I promise as close as I possibly could, because that's how close our guys are. Right. From where I'm sitting, I, I'm seeing DJ LeMahieu, a guy in DJ LeMahieu, battle out there, compete out there, driving pitch counts up. Anthony Rizzo is as healthy as not only he's ever been this season, but as healthy as he's ever been in his life. For everybody saying he should you know, go on the aisle, fix uh, his head, got knocked in by Fernando Tatis Jr. People out there telling me that uh, when he closes his eyes, he sees a cuckoo bird flying around in front of his eyeballs and a little bird house pops out of the top of his head like a lump. I'm not seeing that at all. I I'm seeing him as healthy as he's ever been in his entire life, back to childhood. Limber, spry, the swing looks good. Uh, and Giancarlo, obviously, you know, that when he gets locked in, he carry a team. Uh, you now some people again outside the locker room are saying he hasn't been locked in since 2018. To that, I say, interesting. Well, then, when you're where I am, you could tell me who's locked in and who's locked out because your argument hinges on a whole bunch of people needing to find themselves. What I'm seeing, they've already found themselves confidently, like an American girl doll in the final paragraph of the book when she discovers who she really is. And that's what I'm seeing from our guys. So when you're in the locker room, spitting seeds with them, having conversations, getting their ears, you could talk about uh, who still needs to find a rhythm. I, you know, can't argue with that. Um, no, that's the thing. You can't argue with it because only he is the manager. <laughs> Everything he says hinges on you are not the manager. I am. And it's like, well, yeah, yeah. I've never been in there. I can give you stats. John Boyd does a great job giving him stats, showing that the bullpen 
with the best ERA in baseball has regressed since May and is actually on the border of being a real problem now. And all he could say is, well, I'm, I'm there. I'm not seeing what you're seeing. And it's like, well, yeah, you are actually the manager and we are not. And you're going to be the manager for another couple of weeks, I think, but maybe not beyond that. <sighs> Who's up next? You want to be Sean Casey? Because uh, I'm going to be <laughs> honest. Uh, Aaron Boone uh, well, I'll be Boone too. I, I may have set you up here and in case I'm, I'm sorry about that. But the other day, somebody asked, you know, what, what impact, uh, when, how long it'll take for, for case to have an impact on these guys. Um, and, and I said, he's already had an impact. And as soon as I said it, I was like, whoop, I mean, that doesn't make you look good. Right. Cause the offense got even worse. So if you already had an impact, then it's like, what's your impact doing? So, um, how mad at me were you when I said that? I, I think that's my question. Well, Booney, I was pretty mad. Uh, I, before I came in here, I told everybody, I said my goal was to make an impact right off the bat. But I told you that it probably wasn't going to happen that fast. We were hoping that we were going to hit the ground running. We haven't yet. One in five in our last six games. We'd like to be doing better. We'd like to be hitting the ball. At the very least, I think um, we have a connection between Tommy Canely and the dugout fan. That was at least good. We saw somebody showing some passion there. Um we, we got off to a, a nice start on that Saturday game against the Rockies. We thought that was kind of a, a quick turnaround, but we're not there yet. We have time to go. Um, it, there's not too much time to waste. I'm not in the greatest position, so the fact that you're saying that I'm connecting with people already and we're getting these results is not the best look. You are right, but my goal still is to make sure that these guys get a quick turnaround and we're ready to go until the trade deadline before I'm working with a lot of people who are less talented than this. <laughs> I tell you what, wow, I was looking at so much coming from all sides, different up and down. Like, I built a bat out of a tree and I brought it to the locker room. I did. I promise you that. These guys are never going to see a bat like the bat I built. It's 17 feet tall. It's huge. It's basically in full oak. Swing that. You can swing anything. <laughs> I'm not tired. I'm not even tired of Sean Casey. I love the guy. But great. The, the fact that Aaron Boone hung him out to dry like that. It's like to, even the guys that are supposedly his best friends, he's like, you can, you have an easy out there. You have the easiest out. All you have to say is you're right. It's going to take time. He's in the early stages, right? He, he is doing his best to connect with these guys on a, on a personal level, but it's going to take time. And instead he's like, no, he's already done it. It's like, Oh, come on, man. We're watching the games. If he's already done it, they're getting worse. They're giving up. Harrison Bader with the runner on third and extra innings. Like, can somebody teach these guys the approach it takes to get the ghost runner in? I'm not even, I'm not being greedy here. I just, I don't, I, I obviously, when you're the road team, you kind of need like two or three, but can we get the one? Can we give these guys a fucking chance to move to the 11th? Can we give these guys a chance? I'd like to give them a chance. The easiest I'd thing like in the world is moving. The easiest thing in the world is moving that guy one spot over and then another mm -hmm. spot in on a grounder and a fly ball. That is the base level of offense. And it they can't, be. they can't do that. And they've never done it. They, yeah, I, uh, he's not going to come in and change that overnight, but you would hope maybe you'd see it at least a different approach. And we didn't see that at all. So I don't know if that is anybody's fault or, People are just so uncomfortable. I feel like these players are just so uncomfortable in those scenarios that coaching seemingly doesn't really do anything. But then again, coaching is apparently the problem because Oswald Peraza comes up his first, what, two games, three games. He makes two unbelievable base running mistakes. So yeah. I don't know where the coaching gaffes begin, but it's clearly um, a systemic issue, if you will. Um, let's sk skip over Rizzo. I'd rather just hear you be Hal Steinbrenner. Yeah, I'm done. I'm done with Rizzo. It's just sad. Like yeah. he, if he's if he's not hurt, then what is this? If he's hurt, then go to the IL. It's it's that easy. Yeah, it's either you're injured and you don't play, or you're somehow now bad forever. Yeah, I mean it's only been two months, but these months drag on, man. It's real bad. It's really not good. Um. So all right, Hal. I guess I'll be Boone. <laughs> asking Hal a question. Um, what are you going to do for me, Hal, at this deadline? I don't know if we have the guys in here to get the job done. I'm saying this in confidence. I'm not telling this to the media. 
What if we what if we have to sell? What if we have to sell at the deadline and then you have to get rid of this team? What's what what's what's the recourse gonna be here? Well, uh my first question is of course like how how far are we away from that that highest luxury tax level? How, how what what what's the current margin there? Because I, I do need to know that. That's important. Couple mil. Yeah. I, I last I heard it was like one point one. Okay, so we're getting under that, right? Um, Ken Rose, I read Ken Rosenthal. He's a great writer, great baseball writer, only baseball writer I read, him and Heyman. And he said that uh, at first he wrote a column saying that if we got under that tax, then then our draft pick wouldn't move back 10 spots. And I was like, well, that's exciting. We could do that. And then he corrected the column and said, our draft pick is already moving 10 spots back because of our expensive payroll. And there's no avoiding that because we have to shed $40 million. So that I say, God damn it. That's really annoying that I went in on this mid team. Um, my question is always and forever going to be, uh, what happened to Anthony Rizzo? What happened to Gigi LeMahieu? Is it the toe? Why is everybody who is 33 looking 44 all of a sudden? Uh, age is just a number, and the number that I was focused on was in the mid-30s, but apparently it's higher than that because people are playing higher than that. So convince me to sell? I mean, you don't have to convince me twice. All you have to do is flip that dollar figure in my mind. And I'm obviously selling anybody who's worth two or three or $1.5 million down the stretch. All I have to do is get it under the 1.1, but I'm going to get it down maybe six or seven because that feels better to me. So Luis Severino, I think you got to go. Harrison Bader, because you stay off the injured list because I think you got to go. Uh, Wandy Peralta, you only say 1.4 million, but it would be malpractice not to trade a rent or reliever. You got to go. Uh, and then I say a kind of Falefa, my kind of player. If it were up to me, he's not going. I trade those other three first, but I can make an argument to sell him as well. Glaber Torres, $3.3 million down the stretch. I could have sworn I already sold him last year. I could have sworn I already sold him last year. Maybe in the offseason too, but I'd sell him too. If we get this down $10, $11, 12000000 million, that, that'd be great for me. I don't want to trade Clark Schmidt because he's cheap. I don't want to trade these minor leaguers because they're cheap, and I might have to use a couple of them this offseason to offload DJ LeMahieu and Giancarlo Stanton. Like I might have to tell cash to do that. Um, but I would, uh, I want Dylan Carlson because he makes like $300,000. Uh, the analytics guys, Fishman, uh, Cashman keep telling me, you know, untapped potential. He hits 240. Sure. But he could hit 255. Great. That's all I need to hear. Let's go. Let's grab him. Um, but then if that doesn't work, um, I'm firing you, Aaron. Uh, and then if that doesn't get people off my back, what I would love is if somebody could just sit me down. I, I think I'm just asking to be bossed around. I'm asking for a dad. I'm asking for a father figure. Could somebody just tell me how much money I'd make selling this team? Because I kind of feel like it's a lot. But I kind of just want somebody to show me it printed out on a piece of paper. And then maybe it'll get through my head. They're like, oh, my God. I already have generational wealth. But that's like. And then I wouldn't have to have the Yankees anymore. I mean, come on. So just could somebody put the figure on a piece of paper? I just want to read it. I'm a voracious reader. I just want to look at it. And that'll probably do it. That, that'll be it for me. God, I think it's six, seven billion dollars for the Yankees. Like, how is much? it really that hard? Like, it, it, how much more information do we need? How important is it to Hal Steinbrenner himself and his legacy that he maintained the Yankees? Isn't he undoing his father's legacy with every season anyway? So why why doesn't he just want a lump sum <clears throat> of seven billion dollars plus the jersey patch money? I mean, come on. Yeah, I don't know, man. I uh, I don't know what the problem is at this point. People want every like we talked about last episode. People want everything gone, and that's obviously not the answer because then you have nothing. Um, and Hal spent this off season. Obviously, didn't obviously didn't go the extra mile after we thought things were going to happen after Rodon. But even when he spends, it doesn't work. When he tries that's to it. tries to get creative, kind of works, but not really. Never goes for the jugular at the right time. Rodon, I still think was a good move, but it was like three years too late. They needed to make a move like that three years ago, either at the deadline or in the offseason. So it's, again, to me, it's just vibes. And there's no way that we're going to be able to pinpoint it. It's just something's off. The decision-making is not in lockstep with what the actual situation is. Sometimes the intentions are correct, but it's either too late or it's misguided. So I don't know, but thanks Al. Appreciate it. No problem. Man. Thank you so much. I mean, the issue here, and if you believe in the Yankees bounce back again, remember that Caesars promo is YGY full. You got plenty of time to create an account and you got plenty of time 
to get that money in and get a special uh, offer from us and supporting the podcast in the process. That code is YGYFULL. You're going to need to enter it at sign up on Caesar Sportsbook. Uh, you get your first bet on Caesars up to $1,250 insured. That's $1,250, not $12.50. Who, who are you if you're betting $12.50? Me. Uh, if you sign up with the code YGYFULL, you will not only have your first bet insured, you will also be directly supporting the podcast, Hal, Booney, Casey, the whole gang. So if you haven't signed up for Caesar Sportsbook, join with our code YGYFULL, drop your first bet. This offer is only available for new customers who are 21 plus physically present in legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Check the episode description for the full terms of the offer. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. There's nothing more annoying than the fact that nothing they try works. And it does turn you into a baseball nihilist where it's like, well, who cares? Who cares if they re-sign somebody, let somebody walk, bring somebody in and take their place? Who cares if they execute a perfect sell-off at the deadline? Because the what's the best case for a deadline sell-off, right? You get a prospect like Glaber Torres, cool. and you get a prospect like Clint Frazier. Uh, Glaber Torres mm-hmm. has regressed as a Yankee, and Clint Frazier never really played a role for this team. So uh, some of that's on the players they chose, the scouting. A lot of that's on player development. Uh, probably 90% of that's on player development. Uh, and, and also a good deal of it is on Cashman's shoulders for the players that he targets and, and the players that he was able to spin into other major league assets that never really worked out here. Somebody goes off in a Zach Britton trade. Okay, but Zach Britton's FIP is bad. They bring him back anyway, and then he regresses. Uh, Justice Sheffield goes off in a James Paxton trade. Great time to trade Justice Sheffield. James Paxton comes in here, and he's James Paxton. End of the year, he's got like a 3-9-8 ERA. That means some starts brilliant, some starts terrible. And in the playoffs, he had one great start everyone remembers, and the series was as long as it was because with a 1-0 lead in game two, he absolutely shit the bed. So what James, you remember the James Paxton start you want to remember because it was the fun one where he basically shut the Astros down at home. But on the road, he was terrible. And he's a reason why they lost in six. They probably win that series if he makes a better start. So all this to say that it's easy to get nihilistic, but it's even easier when there's something like Carlos Rodon involved. Uh, and probably all of this is on Cashman, right? When, when you really, what's wrong? Why is every move they make wrong? Why does the process never match the results? And it's probably because like, eh, the guy's running the process. Cashman, Fishman, his lieutenants, they're not correct. They're picking the wrong people. The Carlos Rodon signing, I will never, uh, I will never go against it. I, it would no. be hypocritical. It would be hypocritical if I said that was not correct because I was all in this offseason. And guess what? I'm still all in now. But my favorite part about the signing was the mentality. It's it's going to take a while to adjust to you know, the post-injury life and whatever condition his back is currently in. He might not have command and control this year. He might need the offseason to get that right. I wouldn't be shocked if he doesn't look right this year. I believe in him moving forward long term. I do. But the attitude is what he was supposed to the chippiness, yeah. the dog in him. That's what he was supposed to bring to this team. And I know it's been a tough year for him, tougher than most. And he has battled back against so many invisible enemies and the high expectations of the contract at the same time. But we're in start three. You're getting booed by frustrated Yankee fans on the road and you blow them a kiss. Now, he knows it was wrong. And he also knows, he basically said, look, it's a better reaction than fighting them. I thought it was the right reaction. It wasn't. And I appreciate that tone too. But you can't you can't be cracking on the road and start three. Like, I'm not going to make this the biggest deal and I'm not going to make it the end of the world. And I never want to think about this again. But you cannot be cracking on the road and start three because your next home start, two starts after everybody was so welcoming and his 2023 debut. The ovations they gave him, mm-hmm. the cheers from first pitch to end of game. Your next home start is going to be unpleasant because you did that. You know that, but it is. Yeah, I think this is the trade-off that you get with that attitude is like he has that mentality where he's ready to take on whatever and he knows what the stakes are, um, but he's also not afraid to respond or speak his mind. Um, so I think 
you have you have two ends of the spectrum. You have the people who expect it and they just put their head down and that's the end of it. And then you have the people who expect it, accept it, and then are not afraid to respond to it. Um, but it is not a great look. Um, do I am I upset that it happened? No, not really. I'm, I mean, I'm upset that it happened and that it's going to be a thing. That's why I'm upset. I'm not upset that Carlos Rodon did this, but you know, you look back a little bit, right? John Carlos Stanton, incessant criticism that is, you know, at one point was borderline excessive and unreasonable. Joey Gallo put through the ringer. Um, Gary Sanchez, these guys outside of, you know, maybe speaking to the media about these sore subjects when they were brought up, never said or did anything that kind of mocked the fan base or um, uh, fought back against that criticism or the booze or whatever it may have been. So, yeah, I mean, the fact that that happened after start three on the road, which I think is a little bit weird. If it happened at home, it kind of would have been funnier, but it happened on the road with like, what, California Yankees fans, and those are the people getting under your skin? Okay. Um, I don't, I don't know. And it's, it's again, it's just nothing is going right in any capacity. Um, you were not, no, nobody was optimistic about Carlos Rodon stepping on the mound yesterday and pitching a gem. No one was optimistic about the Yankees scoring runs and potentially digging him out of the hole that, that, that he got into in the beginning of that game. Um, but then you have all these viral incidents with Rodon, with Canely, with Aaron Boone sitting down with Canely in the dugout. And it's just, we need a night off from this stuff. Uh, you just need a win that doesn't feature, you know, you scoring two runs or uh, six runs in the first two innings. And then looking like you always have for the last 10 games in the final seven innings and nearly coughing up the lead in the eighth or the ninth, uh, which is what they did on Saturday. So I'm not mad at this signing. I'm not really mad at Rodon doing that, but it just adds to the fire right now where, it seems like whatever anybody does, whatever anybody says, whatever anybody's uh, contributions are or their intentions are, are all wrong. And it's making everybody, it's making the fan base look particularly bad because, yeah, it's not great. Like the fact that Rodon even paid attention to road fans booing him then made other fans realize, wow, there's Yankee fans across the country booing this team in a different ballpark. That's fucking crazy. So I don't know. I, I just I I don't know. I'm I'm just as speechless. If you put me in front of the media like Aaron, I I would I would act like Aaron Boone. <laughs> There'd be a million you knows. There'd be a million ah yeah this and that and whatever. Ah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. A lot of stuff without context. Um so yeah, I thought the worst was Boone sitting down with Canley because after the game he lied. He said, Oh, I was talking about Canley about the outing. Oh, you were talking to Tommy Canely about his one inning, inning outing with the team down three runs in the bottom of the eighth when it was the last time the Angels were going to come at bat. So you had words to exchange with Tommy Canely for his 29 pitches in a losing effort that you know that you knew was happening because this yeah. team has not come back from a deficit in uh, – we can't even pinpoint it at, the, at, at this moment. So he was clearly angry with him for destroying the fan and – in Boone's defense, Canley's been acting out a little bit. He punched a cooler uh, last week or early or over the weekend. He threw his glove. The what? However long this this has been going on, he's he's faltered for his like his last three outings and his last five looked like okay. He didn't give up a run. He didn't give up a run his first sixteen games, and now he's he's looked a lot more hittable over like the la- definitely the last three. He's given up runs, but the last like five yeah. or six, like there's been some warts there. Um, so maybe I guess like Boone was saying something because he's been acting out a lot. But then again, like this team is bad. It's tough to watch. This is someone taking accountability for their actions and yeah, taking it out in an immature way. I think we can all agree that that's it. But like Paul Neal destroyed water coolers, punted his helmet down the line. Um, We've seen many players do just as insane stuff like this when they didn't feel like their play was up to par or when the team was performing poorly and it felt like there were no answers. And at the very least, you take a silver lining out of Canley's behavior and be like, okay, maybe somebody else does something. 
Maybe somebody else responds to that. Maybe this doesn't make somebody uncomfortable. Maybe it's like, wow, thank God somebody finally broke the fucking ice. And now we can start really talking about how bad we're playing and how we need to start acting like there's a fire under us because we have 11 days until the trade deadline and we don't know what's going to happen. So for me, that was, that was actually the worst of, of the entire series. Yeah. I mean, it's really silly, right? I'm not going to get on here and be like, Tommy Canley was right to punch a fan in, in the, in the metal shred area, the sharp metal zone. He was, it was a good <laughs> idea to potentially throw his shoulder out. Like of, of course, I think Aaron Boone probably has to talk to him in private and go, Hey, I know where you're coming from. Yeah. Care, Cause we can't lose you. But don't need that in the dugout, especially don't need that in the dugout. Harrison Bader in Tuesday night's game, Monday night's game, it's the Otani game, hits a ground at a third, jogs Walked to first. first. And, and Michael K, jog, jog is being generous. And yeah. Michael K is like, is he hurt? He's got to be because otherwise there's no excuse for that. And I'm like, you're damn right there's no excuse for that. And so he is hurt because I know what kind of player Harrison Bader is. Mm-hmm. Lo and behold, he plays the whole rest of that game. What? <laughs> Uh, and don't I don't hear uh, Boone talk to him. I don't see Boone talk to him. That's a very public display that I would have enjoyed seeing Boone get in the dugout. Go, hey, I don't care how bad it is. We don't do that here. But we don't get that. We get that when Canely shows passion. If Canely gets hurt, by the way, he's going to feel it himself. Mm-hmm. He's going to be furious at himself. That's why he did it, because he was furious at himself. I also have no patience for the holier than now people who are like, that was just dumb. Just dumb. You're an adult. Control yourself better. You guys, you guys are all perfect. You guys have all controlled yourself perfectly. Uh, you know, every moment of your life, you've never lashed out and then felt like you maybe needed to take something back. Um, same with everybody who's now just screenshotting Yankees smiling in the dugout. Like a picture of Anthony Volpe smiling, being like, I don't think that's fucking funny, Anthony. I don't think that game is fucking funny. It's like, all right, so we're just going to take screenshots of people smiling for the rest of the season. That's what we're going to be doing. Like, again, not the best look. And again, maybe something Aaron Boone talks to them about and says, guys, people are noticing. People are in the dugout noticing that you look like you're having a good time. I'm glad you're loose. It's actually a good thing because I don't want you to press too much, but you just can't let that be seen. Everything is seen. The optics of the New York Yankees, people are not going to let us lie. We We could finish 20 games under 500 for the next 20 years. And you know who people are going to say is the most hated team in baseball on the next opening day? You guys, the New York Yankees. So just don't be smiling. Don't give anybody fodder. Cameras are always watching. But you don't need to be screenshotting every single smile and saying, this is unacceptable. This is unbefitting of the Yankee way. I'm going to say the dumbest shit of all time. I tweeted this last night. This team has to be going bowling today or something. Go to a private showing of Barbie. Go to a restaurant. (laughs) Go to Lucali. Do literally anything to prove to me that you want to spend time together. Because right now, like, you got Rizzo and Volpe and Judge hanging out. They've been a triumvirate all year. Bader seems disillusioned, disaffected. Maybe he doesn't think he's coming back anymore. Maybe he, the injuries are, are affecting that. And he, he left yesterday's game with some sort of posterior bruise, which is helpful because this team needs a kick in the ass, but not with a baseball in the back. Um, do something today at any 10 New York Yankees, go grab dinner in the city, do anything to indicate that you enjoy spending time together. Cause if you, that's always BS, the stupidest thing in the world. This is the best day. This is the best day of the week. You know why? Cause there's no Yankees baseball. Yeah. So take advantage of that. Do something exciting. And if you don't like that always seems to work. The stupid little team meetings, even the Celtics <laughs> coming back, 3-0 down in their playoff series they ultimately lost lol very funny but they like went to top golf after game three then the whole four five six they got to be like we went to top golf and i don't know we just got our minds off the game it's fake it's phony it's stupid but you win you win this series against the royals and you get to say yeah we went to great pizza dinner on thursday we kind of forgot about our worries it buys you like two weeks at yeah. least people the chicken parm bought anthony volpe a month Buy yourself some time. Do anything. And if you don't, I'm going to be like, wow, these guys really fucking hate each other because they're not even willing to, for optics purposes, have a meal or do an activity. Hopefully, I'd hope they got shit-faced on the plane ride back. Oh, my God. That'd be great. Everyone just talking shit to each other or just having a good time, either one or the other. It's It's either a airing of the grievances or it's everyone just putting their arms around each other, realizing that, um, they, they enjoy their presence and uh, 
they can have fun playing baseball. They could be good at it if they weren't constantly in their heads and they were just concentrating on the game and being loose. So I don't know. That that would have been my thing. I would have just busted out the airplane bottles, bottles Aaron Boone, threw them in the aisle, and said, figure it out. We have a five-and-a-half-hour five, out, five hour plane ride home. Wade Boggs once drank 70 fucking beers on this same flight. Yeah, good luck. This is the longest plane ride of the year at the worst possible time. So please enjoy. We've been out west three times this year. That's also made this year. We did we did two different two series sets. We did Oakland, St. Louis. We did Angels, Rockies, and we did Dodgers. Whoever we played right before the Dodgers. So we've been there three. Yeah, Mariners, Dodgers. We've been there three freaking times. Um, it, that's that's part of what's led to this weird vibe overall too. Just constant yeah. road trips. Um, you get home and it's against the best pitchers in the American League. I, again, they're facing six and a half ERA guys this weekend against Kansas City. Lyles is at six. Singer is at five seven five. Alec, Alec Marsh is at five four zero. Oh, we don't hit those guys. We don't hit those guys at all. So um, again, just you got to expect that. I've seen uh, you know talking to rational Yankee fans have been fans of the Yankees for a while. So their inclination is to be like, man, if we lose this series to the Royals. And I don't blame you for saying that. But guess what? The Royals right now are like, oh, phew, we get to face the Yankees. Every Everybody can hit except for the Yankees. So we get to face the 28th ranked offense in baseball. This might be a fun weekend after all. That's what they're saying. I mean, they scored 11, they scored 11 runs two days ago. They scored eight the runs two days before that. Yep. Yeah, we don't they, do that. No, no, we haven't. When was the last time we've done that? I really don't know. I mean, they, when, they, literally, when was the last time we did that in a non-Oakland series? Literally, because we beat up Oakland. Congrats to us. That's pretty cool. Um, I'm going to look at the schedule right now. It, we scored eight against bet. the Orioles. Yeah, but is eight 11? When, when's the last time we broke 10 against not Oakland? I don't think we have. I don't know if we've done it all. Uh, Mariners 10-2 on May 30th and then 10-4 on May 29th. And pod- three games in a row, they scored 10 runs. Padres May 28th, Mariners May 29th, um, Mariners May 30th. Yeah, 30 runs but we have games. not broken 10 against the non-Oakland A's since May 30th. Do you people hear how crazy that is? That is crazy. And then the last time they broke 10 against – no, they no. – well, they haven't broke 10 against anyone else. The last time they broke 10 runs against not the A's was April 26th. That was a 12 to 6 win against the Twins. So that's 10 or more. That's more than 10. Yeah. 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 That was a great game, too, because uh, the, the middle inning losers in the bullpen kept giving runs back in that game. Yep. So that was like 9 1 or something. And then it was like 9 4. 9 that was five. A game they had to win because they lost the first two. They lost 6 10, 1, 6 five. 2 in the first two. Got outscored 12 to 3 in the first two games. Also, 12-6 win. Man, why don't I remember that game fondly? Oh, right. Aaron Judge stole third for no reason and busted his shoulder up. Right. I forgot. Literally not a moment of joy in this season. This is so much worse than 2021. 2021 had isolated. Remember when we were crying about how, oh, my God, they win the first two and then the third one's embarrassing. And then we have to talk about the third one on the podcast. Imagine winning two games in a series. (laughs) Like, fuck me from two, 2021. Come on. Imagine yeah, winning is, two games in a series. Yeah, and at least that year, like, it was really just, what, Gallo's second half. That was depressing. Um, and they went on a run in August. They yeah. won, like, 13 in a row. This team yeah. is not going to do that. Oh, no. There is no chance this team's going to do that. And it's sad. I wish they would. And I would have more confidence in them if there was any reason, if they showed us anything. But I don't know how... I don't know how anybody has any sort of optimistic output, you know, uh, viewpoint here because this team hasn't really had an impressive stretch. It was even more of the same at the beginning of the year when they, outside of May, where they go, they went 18 and 10 in May. Cool. Like that's a good month. That's a good that's month for winning. It's a good yeah. month for a winning team. It's not anything to be like, we went fucking 18 and 10 in May. You're going to see us at the end of this year. It's like, what? Like their best, best record in baseball since June 30th, the Red Sox method. Yeah. yeah, the Red Sox, yeah. Best record in baseball over the last nine games. Really cool. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I don't – and it's it's sad that in, in essence we are contributing to the bad vibes by talking about this and watching as much as we do and having to commentate on it and um, talk about how it negatively affects us. But 
any other team outside of a rebuilding organization would give you pockets of hope throughout, you know, the first, now we're going on month four of the season. Um, and outside of May, I don't know when we felt good. And again, an 18 and 10 month in May is good. It's not spectacular. Doesn't give you a reason for any world series aspirations. Um, and now, you know, all of that was negated with how they performed without Aaron Judge, how they've responded to adversity. At first, it was actually encouraging. It's like, man, ton of injuries. Guys are kind of stepping up. We can't really do anything at this point. Like, we're just going to hope that whoever we plug here is going to be able to do it, and we're going to try to buy as much time as we can. And sure, that was frustrating to an extent because we knew the depth wasn't good enough. But now you have a lot of guys back. And they've been back for a while and they're not good. And now we're missing the guys who were actually contributing before they got injured, the second line of defense. And those guys are gone. And now it's like, man, I wish Billy McKinney, Jake Bowers and Willie Calhoun were kind of here that, that, that might be better than this. Um, And that's, I, if you're thinking that you're not, you're not consciously thinking that you're just like, wow. Remember when those guys got hits and you're like, holy shit, those were the guys getting hits. And the regular guys are not getting hits anymore. So what am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to be confident that this team's going to be able to go on a run. I'm supposed to be confident that if we sell the top end of our farm system again, that whatever acquisitions Brian Cashman makes are a going to be good and or B are going to mesh with the current foundation that this roster has. So it's just, it's hard to be optimistic. And the fact that again, this is more, of the same over the last four years outside of the Yankees first half of 2022 it has been bad baseball since 2020. And there is, it, uh, it's been bad baseball since our oldest Chapman got walked off in 2019 in Houston. Yeah. And there's no arguing against that. The literally you go back and you do all the win, win loss splicing and stat splicing all you want. It's not good. It's bad. I got in some argument with some absolute loser that like 2020 was a competent team. Because if you extrapolate 33 and 27 out, the winning percentage, give me a break. Did you yeah. watch that? Did you watch that season? If they you're started a good team, off. Yeah, if you're a good team, you know you have 60 games and you know, okay, like we have to, we have to, this is a sprint. You adapt. Yeah. They didn't adapt. They treated it like it was a marathon. They started off 10 and one and then they didn't do anything. For yeah. the rest of the summer, they were under 500. They should have missed the playoffs in a fake little season where they had Garrett Cole. They should have won every five days, guaranteed. They've yeah. been able to piece together two of the other three wins, and it was almost impossible for them. And they went on uh, Earl Deschamps and blew a save and, and got walked off at home that season. Stop telling me, have a feel for the moment. Stop <laughs> telling me that was a good season. That was a nightmare. It only looks good in comparison because 2021 and 2023. We're so awful. And by the way, the season in the middle between there almost had the largest in-season collapse in the history of baseball. Yes. So even the good one was pretty damn uncomfortable until September started. Uh, yes. Dodgers and Stanton in the comment section. It's a possibility for this offseason, but not quite yet. Although I do appreciate you thinking ahead because we are going to have to think ahead there. Um, right before we go, Franchi Cordero. It just... <laughs> Frangie Cordero, the Frangie rant is somehow not about Frangie Cordero batting sixth. He hit a home run yesterday and he hit a scalding double, his first hits in months. Congratulations to him. Uh, one more moment about the, just how you you can't, I can't tolerate it anymore, Aaron Boone. Frangie Cordero doubles in the second inning. It's 2 nothing. Carlos Redon gives up a two run home run and a slider that doesn't slide enough. It is what it is, right? We don't think the modern Yankees are going to shake that off. He can shake that off. Game's not over. Mm-hmm. Frangie Cordero doubles. Uh, off the wall. It's the spark they need. It's like an inch away from clearing the fence. 111.6 miles an hour. Genuinely, everybody's kind of like, wow, that is, uh, you know what? Maybe they pressed the right button today. So we weren't expecting that. Next, AB, grounder to third. Oh, man, bummer. He'll be on second with two outs. They'll Maybe they're going to have to get a single to score the run. He won't get to third. Somehow, he is running for third base and is tagged out by a mile. This is a play that children execute. Michael K says, my eight-year-old knows not to do that. And if you know Michael K, that's as harsh criticism as he's ever levied on this team, especially in-game. So will it solve everything if you bench Franchi Cordero? No, obviously not. 
Um, it's not going to immediately revolutionize or spark the team. The roster is not going to turn over and bring us a bunch of new faces, but it's the bare minimum a manager could do is pull him right there and say, Hey, we've been making base running gaps. You made an embarrassing one. You have to sit down. I gave you a chance today. You shouldn't have been in this lineup. I batted you sixth, and you're not thinking out there. So you have to sit down at the very least. Maybe you send him directly to Scranton because he's not a player who's a big part of your future. No. He's not going to be here next year. So if you really want to make a statement, hey, Greg Allen's rehab assignment just ended. Get the fuck on the plane. <laughs> Go down. You can do that if you want to, too. I don't, whatever one you want to choose, whether you want to be the guy who sends him down immediately or whether you just want to bench him, just pick your poison and do it. Yeah. He's back out there in the field for the bottom of the next day. Aaron Boone doesn't do anything. And, oh, they don't want to use an extra outfielder. I get it. Uh, Harrison Bader gets hurt later in that game. They pull him, put an extra outfielder in there. Um, so that'll be Boone's argument, I guess. Oh, we were shorthanded. We, you know, we had to be, be careful. The injuries, they happen. We don't want to use somebody unnecessarily. Just prove a point. How about you prove a point in some capacity, in, in any capacity? Show me that you have the ability to prove a point. I got asked yesterday, who's my ideal replacement for Aaron Boone? It's Raul Banez. I thought about it a little more. It's Raul Banez. But how about anybody who has a philosophy? Any philosophy will do. If you have a method to your management, that is what I want in the dugout. Because Aaron Boone, uh, it, you know, I'm sure that he, he maybe paralyzed himself by analysis and was like, well, I need an outfielder in case there's an injury and I don't have enough pieces. Make a statement. Do something. Call him out in the postgame. Do, he said it was an irrelevant base running mistake after the game it was inconsequential that's the best you got when you have the chance to make a real statement you say well it didn't actually matter what on earth dude come on and i've defended you i've said that you're a caretaker or a steward and that you're not going to add but you're not going to take away you are not even trying anymore either just like your roster and there's a reason for that yeah it's that the i'll say one thing on this the con the concerning part about it is he has the opportunity to make a harsh decision without having it overly affect the picture. Like benching Glaber Torres for being an idiot. Yeah. That could lose you a game because he's consistently been one of your better hitters this year. So yeah. if you don't want to send a message doing that, okay, sure. You don't want to send a message to a guy who just got called up from the minor leagues and is supposed to be you know, his head's supposed to be screwed on tight and he's head's supposed to be on a swivel. He needs to know every situation, what's going down. He needs to make the smart play. He needs to be on top of everything. And then you do this in the second inning, the second inning, right, right off the bat, the easy ability to just pull somebody and be like, you haven't been contributing for, you haven't contributed for us since April. Now you get a chance and now you do this after you, after you get, if you, you manage to get to second base and put yourself in scoring position. No, sit down. Easiest thing you could have done will have no lasting impact. You want to talk about that as an you know, uh, inconsequential move on the game. It's taking Franchi Cordero out of the game in the second inning. Inconsequential doesn't matter. Yeah, that's consequential. Let's get Franchi out of there. Let's let's make let's make it consequential. Let's take the worst hitter out of the lineup. That might help. <laughs> um, nope. Somehow he's actually their best player again. Is it is it April? Feels like April to me. Well, my God, Thomas Carinante, this was upsetting yeah. to do. Um, mm -hmm. But we, we got the stream numbers up. Thank you for joining us, everybody, in the comment section. When we started impersonating Aaron Boone, we went down to almost nobody. But yeah, you, guys, like you guys stuck with us. Well, I'm bad impersonating. So. Oh, no, we're both. I mean, I'm doing an extended house star runner. I've been working on it. Been, I, I don't have a voice anymore for some reason. Um, this is the angriest I've been at this team. I mean, again, this is the worst singular series I've ever seen them play. It didn't have the patented big lead choked, yeah. like 4 nothing first inning lead. Oh, wait, it's 4-2 in the fifth. They stopped hitting. Oh, wait, it's 5-4 in the eighth. But the Otani game, and they just lie down and die and get paved over by road graders the last two games. Like the dude in Austin Power screaming as the truck backs him down at 0.0004 miles an hour. That was the Yankees letting the Angels, who are a 500 team, beat them three times in this series just slow as hell and we thank you for joining us we thank you for joining us online on youtube mondays and thursdays again two o'clock eastern uh it is uh on all podcast platforms apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify if you're not signed up for caesars yet that promo is yg full 
Caesar Sportsbook will ensure your first bet up to $1,250 if you sign up new users only following the rules. And those rules are in the description today, but use that code YGYFULL. Uh, we thank everybody for following along with us. I'm Adam Weiner. You can find me on Twitter at Adam Weiner, Thomas Carinante. Where can the people find you? Oh, I'm at Tommy's underscore takes. We're both at the official Yanksco Yard Twitter account at Yanksco Yard FS. Thank you guys for tuning in. Head on over to yanksgoyard.com if you want to read us. It's also it is equally dark and depressing. Um, we got plenty of content there, a lot of stuff leading up to the trade deadline. It's getting closer and closer, and we don't know what's going to happen, so we're talking out all the scenarios, and we need your guys' help. Chime in. Have some fun. Comment on Twitter. Reach out to us. We want all of it. Have a good weekend. Yankees Royals. That's all I'm going to say. Yankees Royals. Again, we're in this stretch where they should be like eight and two rounded into form and they're absolutely not. Nothing matters less than Yankees Royals. The decisions have probably already been made in the front office. Now it's just our job to wait and see what they are. Take care, everybody, and we'll see you next time.